from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here in Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live right now taking your calls at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in sunny Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we have Danielle and Michelle in studio, an all-female cast today. Hey. Yeah, and, and we have a female guest. It's it's an all-female day here on Career Talk. Hey, we're taking your calls right this second, so give us a call at 844-942-7866. We have a very fun show today. We are talking all about generations and how you can get along in the workplace and how you get hired differently, trained differently, and in general, just how we can all get along. So it's going to be a very fun show packed with remember whens. So if you have some things that are nostalgic about your generation that you want to call in and share with us, you can give us a call right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And to help us with this topic today, we welcome Megan Johnson, who is a speaker, author, and generational humorist with expertise teaching others how to effectively manage generational differences in the workplace so they can work together without name-calling or bloodshed. And, and Megan, those are your words, bloodshed. <laughs> I must have been in a hostile mood when I wrote Yeah, that. bloodshed. Wow. Yeah, and, and your book, Generations, Inc., From Boomers to Linksters, Managing the Friction Between Generations at Work, is a must-read. I read this, and I found myself going back to think about all of the things that, that were in my childhood and realizing that all the things my parents said to me, where they came from because of what was happening in their lives at the time. So it was a fantastic book. And the fact is, generational differences impact all of us. So we're so excited to have you on Career Talk today, Megan. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Dr. Dawn. And it was funny, when you and I were chatting a couple of days ago, when you were mentioning some things in my book, I thought, oh, shoot. I better take a look at that. I don't remember that I said that. You better reread it. (laughs) No, I totally hear you. What is a generational humorist, Megan? Ask me that again. Sorry. What is a generational humorist? So a generational humorist really it means I'm not a professor. I'm, I'm meaning that I'm, I, you know, I'm, I wasn't smart enough to be a professor, but I find the generations and the generational conflict and the generational, um, the generational collaboration really interesting, and but I like to make fun of all the generations equally. So I don't just pick on one generation; I pick on everybody because we all have our little funny quirks and our funny little things we things we like and things we do. So um, I like to make fun of all the generations a little bit, and then hopefully my audience members take away some some. Okay, so you know that's funny, and I understand why I do this. But when I go back and I communicate with my millennials or a Gen Xer or a baby boomer, maybe I can try doing this and we can bridge the generational gap. Yeah, I mean, I think humor is a way to approach a lot of things just so that they don't get heated. And hey, if you're out there and you want to contribute to this conversation and tell us what is something defining about your generation and maybe it gets misunderstood in the workplace, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So Megan, you're a Gen X, which, you know, we're not qualifying the the different generations, but it is the best one. So I'm just just going to put that out there. (laughs) Anyone who, who, yeah, Michelle's giving it the thumbs down because Michelle, Michelle is a millennial. Oh, I can officially say that. I think it's like pretty on the cusp. All right, Danielle. I'm also a millennial. Yeah, also. So let's define these, Megan. Let's like kind of just like blanket because there are currently five generations in the workplace at this very moment. So if you can quickly kind of define what dates define the generations. Of course, we're stereotyping here. We're, we're putting people into broad categories. So we know that this isn't universal. But for the conversation today, give us an idea of what those five generations are, Megan. Okay, so quick thumbnail overview. So there's the traditional generation. For me, this is my grandma, my grandpa. 
people born before 1945. Sometimes we call them the silent generation. Sometimes we call them the World War II generation. Then there's the baby boomers. The traditional generation gave birth to the baby boomers. And as many of your listeners know, we call it the baby boom because soldiers came home from World War II. Boom, we had this huge boom in the birth rate. These are people born between 1946, 1964. These are, this is, these are my parents, my mom and dad. And then there's Generation X, you know, Dawn, our generation, the, the, small, the small forgotten generation. The best generation. The best, the best generation. Let's just call it like it is. Mm-hmm. And we were born between 1965 and 1980. And then after 1980, the birth rate started to spike again. And that's because baby boomers discovered pharmaceutical help. And all of a sudden, let's have those kids that we postponed back in the 70s. And we had this big boom, the millennial generation. Sometimes we called them Generation Y. That, that term seems to have caught, kind of fallen out of favor. We call them the millennial generation. And then after 2002, we have Gen, what we're now calling Gen Z. In my book, we called it the Linkster generation because they have been linked into technology since day one, but we also call them Gen Z. I, right. I think Gen Z is kind of lack of creativity on, on our naming ability, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what we're calling them, Gen Z. Gen Z and Linksters. So if you talk about signposts in your book, what are these and how do they define a generation? So we talk about um, two kinds of signposts. We talk about personal signposts, but really we focus on generational signposts. And a generational signpost is an event or phenomenon that's specific to one generation. Now, you mentioned um, stereotyping or putting people in boxes, and, I, and, and, I, and I really, that's never what I intend to do because, as we all know, the, not every generational signpost is going to apply to every single person. But really what generational signposts attempt to describe is that clusters of people born during a certain time frame have experienced similar situations and can be differentiated from other generations. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Don, you and I have had probably some similar experiences that are different than our baby boomer parents or maybe our millennial siblings or your millennials that you have in the room with you. And because we've had those different experiences, our expectations of the workforce and the people around us and even the people we live with may be a little bit different. So it's never my intent to stereotype you can always, we can always say, well, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, but what you said doesn't apply to me, or I'm a millennial, and maybe I'm a millennial that doesn't like technology. So we can always find outliers of the bell curve, but we're just looking for like, hey, you know, we have some common, some common experiences that bond us to one another. Yeah, and an easy example is when, when boomers were in school, they had air raid drills. As a Gen Xer, we had fire drills, and now children are having active shooter drills. So That but, is such a good, com- yes, that's perfect. That's a perfect comparison. So, yeah, I mean, and, and so you, just that experience of, of kind of what, your, what your, your time frame was like and what happened during that time frame. So, hey, I have, and you know, I made a list. Your book inspired me to kind of reflect and, and go back, and I made a list of things that kind of defined the Gen X generation and, and some of these things were Atari and I don't know oh, Mich- yeah. Michelle and Danielle do you even know what Atari is? Heck yeah! Alright Commodore Did I mention yes, I was yes. on the cusp? I'm 84 so Okay I'm a 93 so I'm a little bit off You're not that. a cusper I know what, what it is Yeah Megan tell us what a cusper is tell, let's define Michelle So <laughs> Michelle is a cusper meaning she was kind of she's born right in between two generations we also call those micro generations where you're like, you, you're kind of right there in the middle. So you, it's you true because, Megan, I don't so completely identify. Like, the way you guys are rooting for Gen Xers, I don't feel that <laughs> way about millennials. About? Like, I'm not like, oh, hey. yeah, go millennials. <laughs> so I do feel like I connect with a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. Danielle and Michelle yeah. are throwing blows in there. <laughs> yeah, I feel insulted. Where's the solidarity? <laughs> you know what? We actually, when my dad and I wrote this book, Generations Inc., we, in our focus groups, we found that cuspers, um, and we found that cuspers would be described, it was so interesting, cuspers would be described by both older and younger on either side of the generational line as speaking my language. And I think cuspers, and I am not a cusper, so I am like smack dab, I am so solid Gen X, but I think cuspers hold this sort of magical moment where they have this they have enough experience where so, you know, people on the older side like myself, oh, you know, you know what you're talking about. I respect you. You've got you've got experience under your belt. But also on the younger side, I think they come across maybe as less intimidating, more approachable. And we just kept hearing that about cuspers. You know, they speak my language. And I think cuspers, as much as I like, like to poke fun at them, 
I think customers really ha- hold a magical moment there. On the I agree. And you just line. totally described Michelle. I know you don't know Michelle, but Michelle can talk to anyone. She's, she's <laughs> so gracious. I mean, she can speak the language of any generation. So, Michelle, Thanks, I think Dawn. you are a true cusper. <laughs> I'm a true cusper, and it's magical. You are. I mean, it's amazing. Michelle walks into your room and has something to talk about with, with any generation. So, um, you are definitely a cusper, Michelle. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, we're talking all about generations today. And a couple other things from my 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 days growing up as a Gen Xer. Trapper Keeper, Sony Walkmans, rotary phones, and waiting for the song you love to come on the radio so you can press record on the cassette tape and actually <laughs> tape it. Hey, if you're listening, what are some of those defining things from your generation? generation that you remember. Call us and tell us on air. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM channel 132. And today we're here with Megan Johnson, who's a speaker, author, and generational humorist who wrote the book Generations, Inc. How we can all get along in the workplace is what we're talking about today. And oh, I should mention, i I put together a little mini quiz. Whose generation is it anyway? So if you want to play, you can give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Otherwise, we're going to have Michelle and Danielle. Ooh, I want to play. I want to yeah. play. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> Ooh. So we'll, we'll get to that in just in just a little while. But let's talk about, um, you mentioned also, Megan, life laws. What is a life law and how do they impact generations? So a life law is something that occurs that it become, it sort of becomes law. So let me let me back up and explain. Um, so when I was a kid, my dad traveled a lot in his job, and he would come home typically on a Friday evening. And my mom and I had this uh, routine where we would go to the gate at the airport, we'd meet him at the gate, and it was a little family reunion, yay, and we'd all go out to dinner together. Well, after 9-11, after the terrorist attacks on September 11th, no, you couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So not you not being able to go through airport security, if, unless you were a passenger, you know, all the all the people waiting for their, their loved ones to come off the airplanes, we now have to wait on the other side of security. That's a life law. So I can remember a time before where, you know, I could go to airport security, but now I can't. So that is that that is that has become a life law. Okay, so um, what about, like, when I grew up, we actually didn't have a microwave, so we had to put a TV dinner in the oven for 45 minutes. <laughs> we had to wait for that little apple pie. 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Like, so now the expediency of food, that has kind of that's become a life law. All right. See, Michelle, you've never had to wait 45 minutes for a TV dinner. That makes me laugh It's so not even hard. worth waiting for. <laughs> No, especially I mean, yeah. when Megan said the little apple pie. I yeah. was like, no, that's a snack. And the little the little corner of peas. No, I yeah, do not have remember those brownies that. that would always get yeah. fried and taste terrible. <laughs> I actually can't believe that you were raised in, a, in an era that didn't have microwaves. I mean, they eventually had a microwave. Like, I mean, we but when you were younger. Yeah, no, we had TV dinners on TV trays in front of our one TV. Wow. I know. That's how old I am. I know. <laughs> do, you putting, do you remember putting the hot dog in the microwave and watching it contort? No, see, I never did that because I, I was a little afraid of microwaves when they came out. <laughs> Very scary. I remember my mom making popcorn on the stove, putting oil in a big pot, dumping in the kernels, and shaking the hell out of it to pop the corn. Like, like man, moms had to work back then. You didn't just get to shove something in the microwave for two minutes and have your buttered popcorn. So you had to put it in the oven for 45 minutes. <laughs> 45. You actually had to plan when you were going to eat. Like, in 45 minutes, I'm going to eat. Yikes. Yeah, right? 844-942-7866. Hey, what defines your generation that you remember? Come give us a call and share it with us right here on Career Talks here at 6M Channel 132. So let's let's talk about the workplace. So how do you know if you're having a conflict, Megan, if it's generational or if it's if it's something else? That's, no, that's a really good question um, because there, there are some conflicts that truly are personality driven. Um, but so when it, let's, let's take a look at a generational conflict. When I, one I hear frequently is this expectation from some from older older employees that if you're not at your desk, you're not working. 
if you're not in the workspace, you're not working. And if you talk to maybe younger people who feel very comfortable using technology to work remotely, they're like, well, no, I'm working. So you have this conflict where there's this expectation, hey, they don't care about their job because they show up at, you know, 9, 10 o'clock, they take a three-hour lunch, and then they leave at 3. So they're not working. But the question is, are they getting, are they getting their job done? Are they, are they completing the projects? Are they getting the tasks done? That's a generational conflict. If the answer is yes, yes, they're getting their job done, they're, they're completing their tasks, but you find that people in the office are upset because they don't see them there, that's a generational conflict. Yes, so, so the how. The, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of the how are we getting the work done. Now, if they're not getting their work done, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a either expectation or a personality. There's a, there's a disconnect there. But it goes back to are they getting their work done? Um, one, of the, one of my clients, they offer unlimited vacation time. They're like, you know what? We're not going to say you got to take one week, two weeks. You can have as many vacation days as you want as long as you get your job done. So you can take, take months or two off, but as long as you're getting your job done and you, you know, you're, you're performing up to par, you can take as many vacation days as you want. So it's sort of like that attitude of, hey, it doesn't matter how you do your job, just get your job done. Mm-hmm. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Megan Johnson, who is the author with her father, Larry Johnson, of Generations Inc. And we're talking all about how generational differences impact the workplace, hiring, job search. And of course, if it's Thursday noon Eastern time, it is open calls. You can give us a call and ask about any and all career and job search topics at 844-942-7866. So, so Michelle and I had a, had a tiff about this. And I say tiff because we really don't ever, ever fight. But she, we have meetings and she's taking notes on her phone. And I'm like, why are you on your phone? We're having a meeting. She's like, I'm taking notes. I'm like, no, pen, paper. It was the same thing, Megan. It was like, if my face is pointed towards my phone, I'm not paying attention to what she's saying. And I'm like texting someone else, even though my notes app is open and I'm uh-huh. typing down the words that she's saying, the words that are coming out of her mouth are going onto my phone. But if right. my phone's out, I'm not paying attention. I'm not paying, and I will. I, I will often tell people if you're using a technology that other people are not using. So, for example, you're in a meeting and you're using a tablet, and everybody else is using pen and paper. It would behoove you to let everybody know what you're using your tablet for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the two of you have such a great relationship; you don't have to do that. But we can just tiff. <laughs> <laughs> and in all fairness, Michelle is so good on technology because she's a cusper that she was probably texting in between taking notes, too. So No, like... that's what you think. <laughs> and that's where the problem lies. <laughs> yeah. See, I think I think we I mean, the answer is, Megan, that you're getting to is is ask to understand, seek to understand. And that's how we're all going to get along. Um, because even after Michelle told me, she was she, like, no, I'm taking notes. I'm like, and texting. And texting. <laughs> and sending emojis to people. Yeah. So, so yeah. But, but I think you're like, the point is, is you have to ask, you have to say what's going on. You know, this is different than I would expect and have those conversations. And sometimes those conversations just don't happen. So, so how can we make that more commonplace, Megan? Well, I think you, you started it right there. You have to ask, you know, what are you using your phone for? Or um, or if you're that person using your tablet or phone in the meeting, let people know because they assume you're playing a game. They assume you're, 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 on, you're playing some kind of game or, you know, you're, you're doing something personal. So you want, let, you want to let people know what you're using your technology for if they are not using that technology. Um, and just make them aware of it. And, you know, you, even if you want to take it a step further, you can say, hey, you know, I use this to take notes. It, the notes are readily available. I can access them easily. And it's more environmentally correct. And you could actually, you know, maybe kind of convince people over to the, the note-taking side on the tablet. Um, but it's, it's having those conversations, as you said, We have this assumption that if somebody is on their phone, they're messing around. They're not working. And really, uh, what I point out to audiences is the phone, these digital devices, have enabled millennials, because millennials really embraced that technology early on, that has enabled millennials to take their work life and their personal life and blend it as one. And they go back and forth between those two worlds pretty seamlessly. Baby boomers, many baby boomers, there's clear distinctions. There's work time. And you work and you work and you work and you work and you work. And then when you're done with your work, you can have some free time. 
Gen Xers, we muddied the water a little bit with home officing. You know, we started the home office in the early 90s, which was mm-hmm. still voodoo science back then. You know, if you said in 1993, if you said I home office, people said, oh, you really don't have a job. But millennials really have taken it to the next level, and they just move back and forth between those two worlds pretty easily. So not I'm not saying that Michelle was texting, but millennials feel very comfortable moving back and forth between, yes, I'm taking notes, maybe I sent a text, I checked something on my, 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 my social media feed, I moved back to taking notes, but it goes back and forth pretty easily. And so I, there just needs to, I think if, if you are on the other side and you're working with someone who's using a digital device and you feel that they're playing games and not working, you need to speak up and say something like, you know, what are you using your phone for? And I think sometimes we, we just decide to get mad about it. Like they're not, they're not, they're not paying attention. They don't care about what's going on rather than saying, okay, what, what are you using your phone for? Yes, we must seek to understand and also build Build relationships. Likeability goes a long way. If you're a likable person, you're gonna get you're gonna get so much more in the workplace and in the job search. So really, really think about that. I think it's an important tip. And I am going to go to our quiz, not our pre-break quiz, but our whose generation is it anyway quiz. Because I think it's time, Megan, and we have a brave caller on the phone who wants to play, Shirley from California. Yay, Shirley from California. Welcome. Hi. So Thank Shirley, you. what generation do you identify with? Gen X. Oh, the best generation. I'm sorry. I keep saying that. I'm sorry. That's not in your book, Megan. Just to be clear, your book is is <laughs> is very very um, neutral. Uh, okay, Shirley, you're Gen X. So we're gonna play this game, and I'm Michelle and Danielle. I want you guys to play too, since you're millennials. Okay. And basically, I'm just gonna give you a statement, and you just have to tell me whose generation is it anyway. And I'll give you a hint. We're only gonna work with three generations here: Boomer, Xer, or Millennial. So. So those were the so ones. magical cuspers are out. Yeah. So none of the answers are magical oh cuspers, or or AKA Michelle. That's going to be the new name of the generation. Yep. yep. Um. So okay, we'll ready? Call Michelle Harry Potter from now. Yeah. Hey, Harry. Megan, I love you. All right. All right, Shirley. So so you so Shirley. Before we get started, what are some of the things that you recall as generational identifiers for you growing up? You know, whether it was games or toys or, or experiences. Oh, um, definitely um, a lot of the games, and you've mentioned Commodore 64 and Atari. Um, I remember going through a Consumer Digest catalog and, like, circling all the things I wanted for birthday presents and holidays, which seems so ridiculous to my kids nowadays. Um, I also um, had... Well, I don't know if this is generational or not, but like magazines like Tiger Beat and things like <laughs> seemed pretty um, <laughs> posters from those magazines like posted in my locker. Um, but no, you've you've brought back some fun memories just hearing today's um, show. Yes, and our favorite. Can I, can I ask the caller? Did she have from Tiger Beat? Did you pin up the the, the poster of Sean Cassidy? Did you take that out of the magazine? Oh, and it, was, it was always Ricky Schroeder. From oh, Silver Spoons. Oh, I loved Ricky Schroeder. I, I love Somehow. looking at Michelle and Danielle who are looking at, at me like, <laughs> what is Silver Spoons and who is Ricky Schroeder? He actually so later he later was on, I think, was it Hill Street Blues or the NYPD? Yeah. Oh, NYPD. NYPD. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. So. Yes. He's he on as Rick. Rick now. Rick. Rick. Yeah. Yeah, but I just he, he grew up. Can I take this as like a learning moment though, like related to the show? Because I think this is actually how it happens. Whether it's it's somebody using a, a phone to take notes or somebody um, working from home. I mean, we it, it is like literally speaking a different language with with icons and things that just don't make sense which is why i think we need to talk about it and i think we need to be open about saying hey this is this is the way i'm doing it let's talk about how we can work together to make this work for everybody so yeah because you guys said one thing in there that i recognize which was nypd me too and i just know that acronym not as a tv show so uh, it was like you were speaking a different language Mm -hmm. i think the face i had was the face you wear when i'm on my phone during our meetings (laughs) i probably had the same face So let's play this game. Let's play this game because I worked really hard on it. Let's do it. Not that hard, but okay. Okay, ready, Shirley? 
you're, you're going to ready. All right. So we're just talking boomers, Xers, or millennials. Those are only things. So use phrases like "back in my day." Oh, it's a boomer. 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 Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And when, you... and when they say "back in my day," you might as well just sit down because the story is going to take freaking forever. <laughs> yeah, and the story <laughs> that oh, follows is is I went uphill. Both ways Both to ways. school. Barefoot. In the snow. Yeah, see, we've all heard that story. Okay, Shirley. Had helicopter parents. Oh, that's more... Millennials. Um, millennial. No. Yeah. I, I would say maybe Xer. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel like there's... We, we've all read the book, um, you know, or, or have been reading the book. So it was definitely a conversation about helicoptering, um, I think, for the generation I raised. I'm raising my kids now. So yeah. it's a very it's very millennial. Very millennial. Also, yeah, I also had someone call them snowplow parents because they want to remove any obstacle in their children's way. Yeah, and, and that's we, pretty we evident that, with the scandals going on right now. I was say, with the scandals, you and I are like on the same page. Yeah, with this, with this, with the uh, college admission scandals. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely snowplowing. Okay, are the latchkey generation? Ooh, latchkey, Shirley. That's- Gen X. Yes, that is Gen, Gen X. X. That is so my experience. I came home from school. My mom was working. My dad was working. Had to let myself Same in here. and hang out for two hours. That's what a latchkey kid is. As I was explaining to yes. Michelle. Thank you. Danielle. Thank you. Makes sense now. <laughs> All right. Love their independence and enjoy flying solo in the workplace. Millennial. Millennials. No. Really? Mm. More Gen X. More yeah. Gen X. It is because of the latchkey wow. kid. They got the big part of it, that whole being a latchkey. When I was a latchkey kid, I love to point out it was awesome. Whoever thought of this idea, let the kids out of school and just let them be on their own, roam free with no elect. You weren't electronically tethered to anybody. You just had to go home, call in, and then you were free. You're like, you can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Until they, you know, tell management, mom and dad showed back up at 6 o'clock. That's a, so a, a result of that is that many millennials tend to be sort of, as you say, solo flyers. Tell me what you want done. Give me the tools and train to do it, and then just leave me alone. That, yeah, it's like it's like you know me, Megan. All right, <laughs> live for a sense of belonging and kinship at work, Shirley. Oh, boomers? No, I would say millennials. Millennials. Oh, okay. Mostly, it's a very millennial trait, but also I, I would give her points for the boomer answer because it is. It's like the millennials have taken that kinship and up to the next level. Where baby boomers are very teamwork oriented. Um, that's because yeah. a direct result of large classroom sizes being the first generation really to have math education. Now millennials have really taken that collaboration, that open kind of thought process, sharing ideas to the next level, which I think is exciting. Okay. I do too. I, I've actually seen that where I work, there's a large population that's really older and they really consider each other family. So um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So I, I, I like the fact that the millennials are bringing that back. Yeah. And I would joke, Gen Xers, you know, we, we, 50% of Gen Xers come from divorce. And when people start, you know, gapping about, we have a family, we're a family atmosphere here. I said, when Gen Xers hear that, we just think, well, what does that mean? We're going to spend Wednesday nights and every other weekend together. So just even words like family have different meanings to different generations. So interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. The largest generation is the boomers. Shirley, who's the smallest generation on record? The millennials. Oh, think your own, oh, think your own it, generation. Gen X? We're so small. We are. No, we we are. don't even matter. Okay. We're so tiny. <laughs> We're so small. Wow. <laughs> There's just the not many of us. No, if we if this were the Brady Bunch, we'd be Jan. We're the middle <laughs> child. No, nobody wants to go to prom with us. We are so forgotten. Well, that explains a lot. That explains we're, a we're lot. We're taking freckles off with lemons. Yeah. <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Okay, very good, Michelle. Thank you. See, that's, that's her cusper Thank coming you. out. You're speaking my language. <laughs> All right, last one, last one. Mantra is take care of yourself because no one else will. Hmm. Gen X. Yes, we're cynical and disillusioned. That's us. But that's because we're so yeah. small and forgotten. And angry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I might need therapy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, this book 
book is amazing. I'm going to give it a plug one more time. Gen- Generations Inc. From Boomers to Linksters. Managing the friction between generations at work. Reading it, like I couldn't put it down because it helped me understand so many things that had frustrated me either in the workplace or with relationships outside the workplace. And I just feel like I have this newfound understanding of people and I'm just so less angry. That's just the way it is. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. Shirley, thank you so much for giving us a call and playing along with our Who's Generation Is It Anyway? Shirley, who is from the Gen X generation, we really appreciate you giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, we are here all hour long live if it's Thursday noon eastern take your calls we're talking with megan johnson who wrote a fabulous book generations inc with her father larry johnson and he's a boomer and you're an xer and we're talking all about how we can get along better in the workplace but right now we have to go to our break so it's time for our pre-break quiz our official pre-break quiz. Quiz. there's a quiz this became the first magazine ever to sell one billion copies. This became the first magazine ever to sell one billion copies. If you think you know, you can give us a call right here on Career Talk, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 132, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School. Sirius XM channel 132 and yes we are talking all about generations in the workplace and how we can work more productively together here on Sirius XM channel 132 and we're taking your calls all hour long at 844-WHARTON-844-942-7866. I'm your host Dr. Don Graham. If you want to find out more information and great career tips you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham or you can get my book Switchers How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See success. Today on the show, we have Megan Johnson, who is the author of the awesome book, Generations Inc. And Megan, how can people reach you after the show? They can go to my website, which is Megan Johnson, and it's M-E-A-G-A-N Johnson. I always tell people it's like vegan, but with an M. So you go to my website, MeganJohnson.com. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Megan Johnson, Generational Humorist. You can find me on Twitter, Megan S. Johnson, and you can also find me on Instagram, Megan Johnson Speaker. But I do want to offer the first caller, Shirley, I think her name was. It was Shirley. It was Shirley. She was such a super person calling in that if she would email me or contact me, I will send her a complimentary copy of Generations Inc. Wow. I will even sign it. We'll make it worth more money when she sells it on eBay. (laughs) Generation X does not sell things on eBay. I'm just saying. (laughs) 844-WHARTON-844-942-7866. We're going to go right to our pre-break quiz because apparently it's a popular one today. Hey, what is the first magazine ever to sell one billion copies? Nam in California, welcome to the show. What is your answer? Playboy magazine. It's got to be a Playboy magazine. Playboy, okay. Went for the salacious answer. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, just well, went down. Didn't even reach high. He reached low. Yeah, and again, this is going to be a stereotype, but I'm thinking I'm thinking that we're we're going to separate the population in half for the popularity of that magazine. Total total generalization. This I know has good articles, I hear. <laughs> you know what? I, I I actually I have to be honest to the caller. That was what I thought it was too. And I cheated. I I googled it. No, you or, can't google. There's no I know, googling. If you're fans of Hot Tub Time Machine, I loogled it, but um, I, I thought I actually thought that was Playboy was the answer too. Nam is not Playboy, but thank you for keeping that magazine in publication. I'm guessing you have a subscription. <laughs> oh, now I get it online. The pictures Wait. are so much better. Nam, Nam, what what generation are you? 
Well, I was born in 71, so I don't know. I'm confused which generation I belong to. You are Gen X. You're a member of the best generation, so. The best, Absolutely. yeah. The best. So, well, well, so you didn't get the pre-break quiz right, but you were born at the right time, so there you go. <laughs> 844-844-942-7866. Hey, this became the first magazine ever to sell one billion copies. Jim in Iowa, welcome to the show. What is your answer? Life magazine. You know, that that is a popular answer. That is a pop- Why did you choose Life? Because it was huge way back, probably when I was a kid, I'm guessing. What generation do you identify with, Jim? I think X. I don't know. Born in 68? Yeah. Xer. Mm-hmm. Wow, we have a lot mm-hmm. of Xers who who tune I into like the show. I like all these Xers calling in. Yeah, you can't, you can't, because they're not texting in; they're calling in. <laughs> that is why we have we have to get a text number to text questions. This is why, Jim. That is not the right answer, but it is it is it is a popular answer, and I can totally see why. But again, you are you're in the right generation, so um, good for you. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Thank you, Jim. We're going to go to Mark in Utah. Mark, what is your answer to the magazine that became the first ever to sell one billion copies? Yeah, I'd say the uh, TV Guide magazine. And you are absolutely right. It is TV Guide. And I picked that because it relates to today's show because TV Guide was like, I mean, when the TV Guide arrived on Thursday, it was like a monumental, as we're we're waiting the 45 minutes for our TV dinner to cook, we got to read the TV Guide. Look up what's next. Life was so much simpler then. It was. That sounds amazing, actually. It had a crossword puzzle and it had all the latest gossip, you know, it was. It was awesome. And you remember on Thursdays, also in the newspaper, Thursdays announced the movie lineup for the weekend. So on Thursdays, the, mo- the most recent movie lineup for the weekend would be published in the newspapers. That was a big day. And Mark, what generation are you? I am actually a millennial, not the best generation, and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> he must be a don't cusper. Don't abandon us. He's yeah. a cusper. Don't, don't, don't abandon Danielle. We love we love millennials here. We love boomers. We love all the generations here. What what made you think it was the TV Guide? Well, just uh, growing up in like you know grandparents' homes and you know aunts and uncles' homes. You know, that was a that was a the magazine that I would see in every one of their homes. You know, it didn't matter where I went. That was the one. <laughs> that is so. It's so true. My grandpa would sit there with a TV Guide and do the crossword puzzle and then look up when the next sports sporting event was coming on. Mm-hmm. God, those were the days. And the first the first national issue, which was April 3rd, 1953, had a picture of Desi Arnaz Jr. So Desi and Lucy's baby. There's there's all the trivia you need to know. Mark, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Congratulations on getting the pre-break quiz correct. Yay! TV Guide. Um, oh, thank you, guys. All right. Bye, Mark. So, okay, back to generations in the workplace. So let's talk about hiring, Megan. You know, you see now that there's interviews by text. There's a lot of hiring going on on social media. How does this work for or against different generations? Well, I think it works. Uh, so we're, uh, I think it work, can work but great both ways um, because it does give a different way to apply for jobs. So for example, ephemeral videos, these these short term video these short short time span videos that are online, what they do is they really enable organizations to give a snapshot of what it's like to work at their company. They can be um, uh, at a company party, it can be a company event. And it allows a job applicant to look at look get a little snapshot idea of hey this is what it's like to work at this organization. Um, more and more, more and more organizations and more and more job applicants are really looking for a cultural fit. Am I a good cultural fit for this organization? And and as an employer, you want to make the right choice. I mean, hiring the wrong person is costly, not only money, but time. And also it's draining on the employees that are currently your organization because they have to pick up the slack while you're trying to find somebody new. So finding a cultural fit is is important on both sides of the applicant and also for the organization. So these videos that allow 
job seekers to see, hey, this is what it's like to work at an organization. Um, and the great thing about visual content, it is 40 times more likely to be shared than a written job description. So if you're in a if you're a company or an organization and you've got visual content out there about what it's like to work at your organization, ways to apply, that is more likely to be shared between uh, between job seekers than just something written. And organizations like uh, McDonald's and Taco Bell, they're taking it even a step further, and they're allowing applicants then to use video, make a little video as the application itself. And I think the benefit there is that when you're an organization looking for an applicant, you a, a video of somebody talking gives you a much better idea than just the resume alone. You so can the- hear them speak. You can you, you you have sort of a personal connection. You get an idea of their their um, their verbal skills. Uh, so it, I I really I think using these different methods to find people and to apply for jobs is really exciting. And so I the, think it will. The question, Megan, okay, though, is doesn't that open it up for for bias? Bias in a number of ways. One, if you don't have the technology to be able to create that for example you're you're not you don't have those skills which technically you you might not need for mcdonald's maybe you do need it for other jobs or for the sheer fact that when you're on video you're giving a lot more information away than maybe you would be on your resume so so i'm not saying there's any right or wrong because i know companies are doing all of these creative things to attract different generations but where's where's the line that's an interesting question about where's the line, and I don't know. Well, I know I, I don't have the answer as to where's the line. As an organization, obviously, the more avenues you have for people to find you, apply for the job, the better. And so, if you, I mean, I don't. By saying that we should use video to apply for jobs, does not mean that, that we throw away the traditional idea of sending in a resume or going, applying online. Um, the more avenues and approaches you have for people to apply for jobs and find you, always the better. And now, if you're if you are if you're if the jo- if the position you're looking to fill requires technology skills, I think then there's going to be a, a, an easy link between someone who can use technology and use technology to apply for the job. If the job you're sending out the, did not doesn't require necessarily high high technology skills then using more tradi- a traditional approach is going to work just as effectively. But um, it's definitely, you, you've made a really good point. You, the, more, the more avenues you have open for people to find out information about the organization and to apply for the job, the better. And with such, such low, low unemployment, I mean, many organizations and smart leaders are looking for different ways to find people who want to come work. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Megan Johnson talking all about generational differences in the workplace, in hiring, in retention, and everything that goes along with, with making the workplace a more peaceful and harmonized place to be 844-942-7866 so let's talk about let's talk about retention are there different ways to retain different generations megan yeah there's different ways to retain different generations well let's let's kind of let's look at sort of um kind of a reward the reward in motivating people um baby boomers many baby boomers take a sense of satisfaction out of doing the job well uh, for example, in medical coding, uh, they, they take a sense of satisfaction. I interviewed a, a, a woman who, she's a baby boomer. She works in medical coding. The sense of satisfaction that I do this well, um, that, you know, when, when medical coding is, when, you know, they code, they code, the code, they code the, pro, the procedures that patients have, and it, it, it impacts billing. So it, it's an important job. So she says, I take a sense of satisfaction. I know that I do the job well. Um, I appreciate it when my, my supervisors tell me thank you, but I know I do a good job, and I draw a sense of satisfaction out of that. Now, on the flip side, there's several millennials I interviewed who, who have a stronger desire to hear that they did well, that, yeah, I want to hear that I did a good job. There's nothing wrong with either one, just it's different. And so many millennials that came from an environment, their generational signposts, where they got more feedback, more verbal confirmation Yes, you did a good job. This was this was this was, this was you did a real good job here. This was this, this was done well, and so it comes it shows itself in the workplace as a desire for more feedback. Now, where I think people get confused is people will say millennials want a trophy just for showing up. You know, they want a trophy just because they showed up. 
and they were 15 minutes late as it was. Um, I don't think they want a trophy for showing up, but I do think their desire for feedback is higher than some of people from the older generation. And so that means that we sometimes, as as mentors and peers and supervisors, that sometimes we have to step out and say, okay, you know, I need to I need to acknowledge that they did a good job here. I think Gen Xers sometimes struggle with that because Gen Xers tend to be more independent. Like, hey, I'm doing my job. No news is good news, you know. And and so we sometimes have to, as a Gen as a Gen X manager, I have to stop and think. Okay, I have a and I have a millennial assistant. All right, she did a really good job here. I need to make sure I acknowledge it and let her know and tell her exactly what she did really well. Um, and I sometimes think people struggle with that because. They think, well, when I began my career, nobody told me I was doing a good job. Yeah, and I think that's where it comes back, Megan, to this conversation. I think that's what reading the book did for me is, you know, we we are often, you know, just throwing around terms at work. Oh, he's such a millennial or, oh, she's, you know, and throwing the generational terms around. But I think what it does is when we put these labels out there, it prevents us from going deeper and understanding the fact that we have our own biases from our generation and that if we don't seek to understand, these conflicts are going to keep coming up and keep coming up. And the fact is, talk to your employee. How do you want to be rewarded? Because even though they may be a member of a generation based on dates, maybe for them individually, they don't want that type of, of recognition or award. Or, or whatever it is you're going to do. So I think I think your book really does a great job of opening the door to conversation, to understanding, and to thinking about things differently so that we can move towards solution. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're talking to Megan Johnson, who's the author of Generations, Inc. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And let's uh, talk about Gen Z for a second. We haven't talked about the Linksters just yet. So Gen Z is the the generation that is coming into the workforce right now? Yeah, so Gen Z, they are where technology is a life law. So, uh, you know, technology, the millennial generation really embraced technology. You have some millennials, especially your cuspers, who might remember dial-up, might, you know, where, where, you know, internet connections were not everywhere. But technology is a life law for Gen Z. Gen Z also is going to be a generation they may have never had a landline at home, so their home life may have never included a landline. Their home, they also may have not learned cursive. They may not have learned to write cursive, and so they may also never write a check. I, have, uh, I speak a lot in the financial industry, and uh, I had one uh, CEO of a bank say, what's the point of offering boxes of free checks as an incentive to sign up for an account if we have a whole generation of young people that never write checks. And so you have Gen Z, and I always say they're born to swipe, which means (laughs) they they were born swiping across the screen. So they may never learn cursive. They may never have a landline. They may never hold a textbook. Wow. They will never know the joy of covering your textbook in a paper bag and writing, (laughs) I heart Ricky Schroeder on it. (laughs) 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. They'll also never know the joy of being at a sleepover and being able to prank call somebody because we didn't have caller ID. So there's there's that too. But Prank calls were the best. <laughs> they were the best. So let's talk about how we can hire Gen Z, how we can train Gen Z, because these are obviously going to be the future leaders of tomorrow. So if companies are looking to get get this uh, generation interested in working with them, what do they need to do? Well, they need to be where Gen Z is at. So the, you, you, the, your, present, the, their, your presence at Gen Z events, Gen Z uh, involved in Gen Z education, Remember, this generation, for many, many people in this generation, they're still in school. Uh, so they all, in many cases, still living with their parents. So their parents are going to be pretty big influencers on the jobs they accept. Their parents are also going to probably be their transportation or, or, or helping them get to work and also influence them. Hey, I know you were out last night, Friday night. Now it's Saturday morning. You've got to go to your job. Um, so you will. So companies that are hiring Gen Z, do it behooves them to really um, cement themselves in the in where Gen where where Gen Z is, and also be a presence there, involved in their activities, involved in edu- in their education, 
be be present at uh, job fairs for Gen Z. And really what Gen Z is, what they're finding is that Gen Z value nano-influencers versus macro-influencers. Macro-influencers are people that are paid to sponsor a post, where nano-influencers are real people. They have smaller followings, two to 10,000 people. And so you see Gen Z looking towards these small, niche, individual people for, for advice and influence. So the more that organizations, companies, put themselves out there as um, giving Gen Z advice, helping them out with life decisions, and becoming some of those nano-influencers for Gen Z, it, sort of, it cements them in Gen Z's life. So your book is a great resource, Megan, to learn more about about how all of these differences come together. But but where can people who are maybe in the workplace and, and want to figure out how to train, hire, retain different generations, is there a place they can go to get to get even more information on this? Your book, Generations, Inc., is a must-read for everybody. But but should there be more training programs? Should we be doing more in the workplace? Well, you're, you're asking a biased person. Of course I'm going to say we should do more training in the workplace when it comes to generations. Um, yeah, I, I, you, and, oh, and, and people always can contact me, and I will send them min, mu, tons and tons, more than they could ever imagine, tons of resources when it comes to generational connections, generational communications, generational training. Um, and there's obviously many generational experts and, and people who, who love the topic just as much as I do. Uh, but, yeah, this, I think the, the more we understand, I mean, the more we understand the people we work with, be it generationally, um, people from different ethnic diversity, I mean, the more we understand the people that we're working with and living with, the easier it is to communicate. And really, that, that's the goal there, is that we, we have strong connections with people and we're able to communicate effectively, either in our work life and our personal life. Um, so, yeah, I can't, I can't, I'm biased when it comes to generational, but I can't stress strongly enough that really the more we kind of encourage ourselves, and I have to do it every day, to step outside of our comfort zone and say, all right, this isn't the way that I would have done it. I don't quite understand the way this other person is doing it, but it makes sense to them. That's what I always have to keep in mind. It makes sense to them. So maybe I need to try to understand why this makes sense to them. Well said, Megan. Megan, one last time, where can people reach you if they'd like more information? They can call me at 800-759-4933, 800-759-4933. They can find me at meganjohnson.com. They can email me at megan at meganjohnson.com. I do want to point out to the people that called in um, that please get contact me, and I will also send you a complimentary copy of Generation Bank. Yes, and, and you definitely want to read this book. And I love that you have an 800 number. Again, that is very Gen X. Uh, <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you. We, we don't want those long-distance charges. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Oh, boy, what a great walk down memory lane this has been for sure. And again, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge here on Career Talk. And Michelle and Danielle are millennial and cusper in yes. studio. Always fun. Thank you for sharing your insights. And, of course, to all of our listeners and callers, we do the show for you every week here on Career Talk. You can give us a call any Thursday, 844-942-7866. We'd love to take your call on any and all career topics, or you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham if you'd like more information. But we've enjoyed being with you here this week. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132, and we'll see you next time. Before I get old